0: Welcome to NetFront Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon, Post-Dispatch, joined by The Beat Reporters, Jim Thomas and Matthew DeFranks. And guys, I guess we'll start with on the ice. Um, The Blues started the uh, Kasperi Kapanen era with uh, an okay performance, but ultimately another defeat. Uh, We'll start with you, JT. What did you see from the newest Blues and the newest Blue and then the Blues in general? Well, he, he, he's, he's got some speed. He's got a
1: pretty good shot. The, the one play that that looked acrobatic and athletic where he stopped and turned and whipped that backhand. One of the criticisms, I think, of the, the people in the Pittsburgh of him was that he he needed to to drive the net more and that he would stop, maybe not in such a, an artistic fashion like he did there, but he had a chance to maybe force the issue on that play and drive the net. And that, that's what that play made me think of. And he's he's got a pretty sturdy body, and so you think he'd be able to to do that. But uh, you know, this guy's going to get a heck of a chance. I mean, they they have no other options. He's he's uh, 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 on the in the top six for the rest of the season, so he could really revive his career. You know, he was he was play, he played only uh, average of like twelve minutes a game in Pittsburgh, and he, he had nineteen last night. So there were times when he looked a little gassed me but uh yeah I, I guess semi semi encouraging uh uh with him
2: yeah i found his uh his usage to be more interesting i mean like jim like you mentioned uh all the minutes that he was getting but also the situations uh, i mean obviously he's put in the, the top six and uh put on to the second power play unit and late in the game he was switched with Kyru to to be on the top power play unit uh, he was on the ice for the six on five situation when they're trying to find a game tying goal so uh, he was being used in a lot of the top situations that you'll see uh, top offensive guys used in, which I thought was interesting given, you know, he, he was picked up on waivers and uh, hasn't historically been, you know, a 50, 60 point kind of guys kind of hovered around that 35, 40 range. So uh, interesting to to see that usage last night. But JT, like you said, they don't really have too many other options uh, besides him to use in those situations. So he'll get a good look and, you know, maybe the blues will try to find some value in him.
0: Well, it's interesting because, um, you know, he carries a, a notable cap at what is it? 3.2 million. And he's under contract for another year. Uh, the good news JT is that does provide a, um, a transition player for the blues as they try to, um, to, to retool and move forward competitively while trying to blend in some younger players but the skeptics out there will say well geez um 3.2 million and mm-hmm. a, a question did come up with doug armstrong about it and he sort of shrugged and said this is what you have to pay to get a guy to 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 get a 40 point player i i'm unconvinced
1: what do you think jt <laughs> and the, the guy who uh kind of ruffled uh army's feathers was none other than uh uh, Matthew DeFranks, so our, our Mr. Franks, as some people on the Blues <laughs> chat are referring to him, that's my new nickname for Matt now. I, I love Mr. Franks. But, uh, but yeah, well, you, you can think of different examples. Uh, uh, Tyler Bozak was a half a point player for the Blues, and he was 5 million uh, a year, at least for his first three years. But you remember the blues were desperate for center help when they signed him. And that was hours before they knew that the O'Reilly trade was going to be a go. I mean, they, they needed more than just one center. Uh Barbashev was about his stats. Uh, although he's uh Barbashev's played about a half a season, two thirds of a season, more than uh, uh, Kapanen. Uh, they're almost identical. He, 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 he was a half a point uh, uh, game guy, basically at 2.25 million although we know Barbashev's going to get probably going to get a nice pretty nice uh, raise uh, with his next contract. So yeah, that the 3.2 did catch my eye especially especially since you know the the blues aren't swimming in cap space. We all know that for for, for next year. So it 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 was a little surprising.
2: Yeah, they they needed a you know a bottom six bottom nine guy however you want to classify him they needed one anyway just to to replenish what they lost in in forwards during trades uh so it, that was something that doug armstrong probably would have addressed in the summer anyway and this kind of just beats uh beats that and it's kind of a light for light replacement for Barbashev. uh you know if they do part with him uh for sure in the summer uh yeah i i I struggle with it because it doesn't really, to me, it doesn't really change a ton in terms of who they can go get as a big, big money player uh, in order to get an eight, eight or $9 million guy, you would have had to move money out anyway. And that remains the case. Uh, so you fill a need in the bottom six, bottom nine, uh, your cap situation is pretty much the, the same in terms of having to move someone out to get a big money player. Uh, I just I think about a, you know, a 12 minute guy, uh, 13th forward that was just waved on a contending team that has a cap crunch that's trying to make the playoffs. And you have met three point two for another year. And and those things just don't add up. And I understand the, you know, the point the point per game production and, and all of that. But uh, it feels a bit rich um, for the type of player that they're going to be. Kind of leaning on the next uh, year and month or so,
0: and JT, who against all odds had a really good game for Seattle um last night. As we tape this, a guy that the Blues, uh you know, at the time didn't have any cap space. But uh, I think I, I might would have been, if you're going to go reclamation project, the guy was to me is a lot more interesting. Tolvin has a really nice game against the Blues. Has played very well for the Kraken, and, and I don't know, man. To me, uh, now I'm going to start comparing Capen <laughs> into him, right? And it's a, yeah. and there's a lot more. I think a lot more long-term value there if they can, if Tolvin turns out to be the players that that Nashville once thought he would be.
1: And isn't isn't he a, a 1.4 million guy? Am I am I wrong there? I, I believe that's we a lot cheaper. Def-
0: yeah. Cheap. yeah, I'll defer to the our uh, our uh, finance major on on the cap stuff, but yeah, One, just- four
1: five. Pardon me? 145. Okay. You know. Okay. So yeah. So you get them, you were you already got them for less than half the uh half the price. So uh Seattle's kind of interesting that way. They're like the uh kind of the uh the vintage blues of, of recent years. I, I was looking up their stats. They have 12 10 goal scores on the team, and only one guy in 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 in, the, in above 20 in McCann. And that's kind of how the uh uh you know the the blues the blues were built uh, back when they were uh when they were good the the, the depth scoring you were almost slump proof if you shut down a couple guys a couple more guys uh uh could score but boy the how the blues are currently constructed uh, if you shut down a couple guys they're in okay. trouble and my gosh if uh if they get a couple guys hurt uh, then they're really in trouble again how they're currently constructed i guess at the end of the day it doesn't really matter with this this year's team how they're how they're constructed from from here on out but uh uh yeah it's uh it's interesting how seattle has has built their team compared to vegas and uh, i think seattle will look
2: like they they have the potential to have some staying power yeah the uh, the tolman point is an interesting one uh it's uh it's weird because it's the, the timing of it changes everything right uh uh, I remember when we talked about Tolvanen getting waived and why wouldn't the Blues claim him? And at the time, they're still trying to make the playoffs. They are holding on to these guys. They uh, are right up against the, the cap, even using LTIR. Um, and I think if if they were flip-flopped, if Kapanen w- w- was waived a few months ago and Tolvanen was waived now, I think there's a different decision process uh, in terms of uh, claiming one or the other, just because uh, they have a more more clarity right now as to where they are as an organization, what their cap situation looks like, uh, both immediately and in the future. Because uh, in the past, if Kapanen was waived at three uh, two a few months ago, they, the Blues wouldn't have had any space to to claim him or add him, uh, and just like they they really didn't for for Tolvanen back then either. So the, the timing of it probably didn't work in in the blue's favor and uh it it is you know as you mentioned gordo going to be interesting to see kind of compare the two of them they're different players obviously but uh one has as much younger with a different uh cap hit and a little bit more um maybe offensive upside
0: let's talk about some potential trades. still the market has gone absolutely haywire but uh it was interesting. A lot of folks were trying to talk up uh, Colton Pareko back to his native uh, Alberta for the to, with the Oilers. But the Oilers, uh, JT, make a really nice trade. They get uh, Matthias Ekholm with a term left on his contract. I think he's got three years left, uh, six mil a pop, a little under the six five that Pareko makes for I think this contract uh, runs forever. Uh, I believe is, is how it's structured here in St. Louis, but uh, the Edmonton moves out a power play guy, Tyson a guy, they can replace with Evan Bouchard. They get a, a well-rounded defender in Eckholm with, with turn left. I really like that deal for Edmonton. And I guess I don't like the deal if you're a blues fan trying to send Pareko back home.
1: Yeah, it's, it's funny. My very first uh, blues draft was after the, uh, season I think it might might have been the only one I've covered in person you know we we missed a couple uh live drafts with COVID in there but uh as soon as I show up on press row I hear Edmonton radio again this is what would be June of 2018 talking about wanting to trade for Parego so it's been kind of a constant drumming up there you know off and on intermittently about uh uh, uh, about Pareco, but uh, yes, uh, suddenly there, there, there doesn't seem to be uh, kind of teams clamoring or, or even uh, maybe there's still some kicking the tires on Pareco, but uh, you know, there was some talk about Ottawa, but uh, Bruce uh, Gary, I, I think we talked about this on the uh, on the uh, the last net front that I was actually present for, which would have been a couple of weeks ago. But uh, where Gary had said, no, he's unaware that, the, that I was talked at all to the, uh, uh, to the Blues about pareco. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know uh, where he goes. Uh, fans got excited. And I, I hope Colton, who's, who's just a fine human being, I hope he's not listening to this portion of the uh, podcast. But the, 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 uh, there were a lot of Blues fans that were excited that maybe Pareco was being shipped the other day when he wasn't at practice. And it was just a maintenance day he'd taken a puck to the ribs, the shot to the ribs, I think in the, in the, in the previous game. And uh, they were disappointed when, uh, when uh, Matt and I uh, reported that, that, that was the, uh, that was the case, but uh, boy, you're, you, you're taking on a seven year deal. Uh, you know, and I, our good friend, Andy Strickland uh, said, you know, said, boy, to trade a player, just one year into an, uh, into an eight year deal that that just doesn't happen. So I, I just wonder now if, uh, if anything will happen blues wide, uh, before the, uh, the trade deadline, maybe these cl- uh, clearing up some cap space with the, uh, by, by moving, uh, defensemen, uh, you know, maybe, maybe that's a summer thing.
2: Yeah. I, uh, I struggle with the, the, the market value for Pareto, um, because the the raw tools you see that are that are there, uh, the skating ability, the size, uh, you know, maybe even past performance uh, in roles and winning the cup, and uh, that still matters to teams, even though that was a few years ago. But it's it's the contract for for seven more years and at six and a half. And I think there are teams out there that probably look at the contract and say that's actually not not that bad for him because. If you look around the league, he's not being paid as a number one defenseman, right? Uh, number ones will be around eight and a half, nine million dollars, and he's making six five. So he's he's being paid as a as a two, maybe two and a half. And so I think teams can look at it and say, well, if we already have a one, and we're looking for some more depth on the blue line, we can get this guy, uh, put him in a role that suits him, make his cap hit resemble the role that he's being asked to play and maybe make it work. Because obviously in St. Louis, uh, it hasn't worked with him as a number one defenseman. And, and that's where the the value would have come in for Dud Armstrong with this contract is if Pareko uh, blossomed into a, a number one defenseman and uh, they had a, a guy that was six and a half million dollars, uh, probably worth eight and a half or nine. Uh, and that was kind of the, the bet that they made and I think there's some teams out there that would still sign the deal for it to have him as a two, but you know if you're looking for for that price of a two, that means you're already probably paying a lot on for your one. So uh, the whole no move, the whole no no trade clause also gets in the way. So you know, we'll see what he wants to do. And you know I, I think I was talking with Jim last night. If you're a if you're a player with a no trade clause, do you really want to waive it to move? A day and a half before the trade deadline midseason. or would you rather kind of hold out through the rest of the season wave it in the summer where you have you know time to to house hunt you have time to move things you can get used to your teammates you can do all that stuff so uh in the end he's in charge of of where he goes and so we'll see where uh where this kind of whole Thing it's
0: interesting that so many defensemen have been moved and i was going to lead to my next point but i look at you know boston got its guy and, and orloff a great addition there uh toronto adds a couple defensive minded guys at a at a reasonable cost uh shoring up that area we talked about uh, the good move that edmonton made um la gets the guy uh Gavrikov that uh, that was highly available i think they've the Kings fortify their D. They they offload the rest of the remainder of Quick's contract, also upgrade and goal, spend a number one pick to do that. So, and then even uh Washington in a in a position where they're like the Blues looking to kind of get younger on the fly uh, if they can, they spend a the number one to get sandine. So uh all of these teams, Boston, Washington, LA, these are some of the teams, uh, even Edmonton that were linked to uh the much discussed Jacob Chickren. Now the Blues have all these picks, um, they can take, they don't have any immediate cap issues. They have long-term cap issues. They they have work to do. Um, you know, a lot of guys are getting moved and Chickman remains in place. And I, I, don't know. I still, I, the more I look at the way other teams have solved some things that, um, if Armstrong's looking to make that move, I think he's got a little less competition now.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's definitely, uh, for sure. And, and, uh, I guess it's, it's all down to the, to the ask, uh, bill uh bill armstrong i guess is stuck to his to his guns there and uh uh how much do you want to give up for the guy and there there's varying opinion on chick i mean there there are people i talk to that adamantly say he is he is not a top pair defenseman you know so but but uh i i, I there are, there are, there are people that say he is so i i i guess uh uh it all comes down to how doug armstrong uh uh, feels about that, but, uh, it's, it's obviously obvious chicken wants out of there and uh, man, this whole, uh, he's not playing yet. Is he guys? I haven't haven't checked. I mean, he's still, he's still on the, on the shelves, right on ice. I mean, this has been, uh, uh, this has been two, three weeks now, at least two weeks. It was when when the last time the, uh, the blues played Arizona was the first game he missed. This is just, uh, it's just uh, crazy with with all the players. I, I, I uh, that that have been moved I, I guess the uh the nhl network and uh, uh tsn up in canada they, they they can just talk about chicken for four hours i, I for a while i was thinking all they're going to be able to talk about is luke shan but no luke shan's a toronto maple leaf now so they can just talk about chicken for four hours
2: yeah i mean he's pretty much the the last the last one left right i mean kane meyer gavratov uh you know all the guys in st louis like is he is he's pretty much the last one to go he's the bell of the ball yeah he is right now yeah and and this was like a a phenomenon that was mentioned to me maybe about a month ago and i was talking to someone about the the blues pending for agents and this was before they traded you know teresanko O'Reilly, and and Barbashev, uh chari mikula and this person was saying to me well be careful because someone might get stuck at the end holding the bag. Uh, there's only so many teams that can uh, can use these guys or can acquire these guys, can fit these guys. And uh, so be careful if if someone waits too long, they might not be getting the deal that they initially wanted. And, of course, we know Doug Armstrong made his moves uh, earlier than most. Uh, you know, the Terry Senko deal was at the All-Star break. So it was uh, interesting to, to hear that and then kind of see – it may be happening with Jacob Chitrin where, you know, Doro, as you mentioned, all these teams that need D are going out and getting other defensemen not named Chitrin. So if you're the Coyotes, you really want to make a deal in the next day and a half. I mean, it's you sat him for, for so long to be able to do this. Um Uh, worst case scenario they they bring him back next year but he has a a 10 team no trade that kicks in Uh, whether he wants to to use that on you know teams like uh, Columbus or something like that where you kind of see a a longer term rebuild uh, I don't know but that will shrink his market a little bit and the Coyotes will lose a little bit of leverage in that situation so it's it's a weird situation where he's been on the trade block for, for so long in the last few years. And you would have thought that in the last few weeks, since he's been sitting out a trade would have materialized. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if you're, if you're Bill Armstrong, it does, your, does your price drop or, or are you stubborn enough to say, this is the price that you guys need to come meet me at. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I don't, I don't really know what's going to happen with him. Um, But if you're the Blues and you make that trade, you need to be for sure that he is your your number one guy because the assets that you give up are going to be substantial probably. And you need to be sure that you're going to be a contender in these two years that he's under a uh, cap-friendly deal Um, because after that, he's a UFA and who knows whether he stays or goes. And so are you... Are you a, a contending team in those two years, and can you bring him back after that?
0: Yeah, and, and really, do you if you pay a big price, do you already entertain or at least discuss within the possibility of extending? I mean, sight unseen, or do you, do you gamble? Because if he gets into that last year, we, we all know how that ends, right? So uh, it'll be very interesting. Now, one thing to, to Matt's point here, uh, JT, the uh, striking early. Uh, The value in that, particularly with Tarasenko, was underscored. And I just put something up on the website about, you know, looking at the Chicago waited because Kane wanted to wait. And then Kane was surprised. Patrick Kane was surprised when uh, the Blues made the preemptive strike to get a first round pick uh, for um, trading Tarasenko to the Rangers. So now the Blackhawks are caught, that's the only team he really wants to go to. They have to take uh, it's a complicated deal, but their their best asset that they get is a second round pick that could turn into a first round pick later in a later year if the uh, Rangers make the conference final, which is which is certainly possible, but it's possible that they get like a 2 and a 4 for Patrick Kane, arguably the you know, one of the top 5 players of his time um not a satisfactory outcome for chicago i don't think and it does underscore that armstrong was smart to strike what he did to get what he could when he could yeah i i wonder uh you mentioned kane's surprise
1: that tarasenko went to the rangers i wonder now if tarasenko's surprised that kane is uh, a <laughs> ranger and what that'll do to, to uh to uh tarasenko's uh uh, minutes, but yeah, another thing to kind of keep in mind with Doug Armstrong is he had a lot of volume he was going to move. And uh, while I'm sure Doug is perfectly, uh, capable of multitasking to try to move five unrestricted free agents all at once, he, he couldn't just wait till the last week to do all that. I, I think, uh, uh, when he signed, uh, I forget which, which of the two, uh, 60, uh, uh, 65 million guys, he signed first, but whether it was Thomas or Cairo, but when he signed one, he said, you you just got to get one horse in the barn at a time. And, uh, uh, Armstrong was, was kind of able to do that. Interesting that, you know, two of the trades were like packages where he, uh, he got rid of, uh, or traded, uh, you know, uh, two of, uh, uh, of the team's, uh, big five unrestricted free agents at the, uh, at the same time. And, and, uh, uh, especially i think the o'reilly one When you talk about timing when he got a deal he liked from toronto uh apparently he he acted really quick because the uh you know some of the players were i don't know if confused is the right word but they they had won three in a row and we all poo-pooed that but you know how players operate they thought well here we go we've won three in a row the the team is playing good and and we're, we're only six points out of uh out of a playoff spot but uh uh Armstrong, he got it, saw a deal he liked, and boom, it was done.
2: Yeah. Is he a trendsetter in uh, sending pairs of teammates uh, to, to other teams? I mean, the Capitals did it with uh, Hathaway and Orlov, and uh, the Blackhawks did it with McCabe and Lafferty. Uh, the Blue Jackets just did it with Jabbertov and and uh, Korpisalo. So maybe he's an innovator. Maybe this is, maybe this is the new trade deadline. You know, the trade deadline month instead of a a trade deadline day. That just means we're have to have the, you know, the TSN broadcast uh, every day for about four weeks in America. Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, just do it that way. And uh, plenty to uh, talk about. And, you know, going into this thing with all the teams, half the, half the league, basically, in salary cap hell, it not for LTIR, which is like the only escape hatch that uh, that uh, the NHL has that hockey has. But uh,
0: all these guys moved, so I guess teams find a way. Well, it's been a it's been a crazy uh, active time, and uh, boy, the sellers were were aggressive. I, I guess you know one thing I I look at is you know you look at Matt the uh, how quickly uh, the. Uh, or, You look at the assets that Blues have, the one prospect who should be able to be, at least in the AHL, Zach Dean next year, coming in along with Bull Duke. They played against each other. They played with each other. Um, And then more immediate uh, draft picks that have more utility either to use right away or to trade. And other teams are having to take picks down the road. And, again, it really uh, the theme from Doug was uh, Chicago's taking picks in, like, 2026 um the blues the blues better be damn good in 2026 and 2025 for that matter. They gotta be they gotta be very competitive. They can't do what some of these teams are doing as far as just oh yeah, we'll take that pick. What year was that again? It kicks to 2026. If it if this happens in 2020, okay. It, it, Doug can't do that and he hasn't done that.
2: The uh the one that really made me laugh was the uh the Tratsov deal with Vancouver where it was a 2026 seventh round pick that went to the Rangers. So Vancouver looked at said, no, 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 we need our, we need our 23 (laughs) seventh rounder. No, no, we need our 24 seventh rounder. And it got pushed to 26. And so that that one, that that one made me laugh a little bit. Uh, But yeah, you're right. I mean, especially when you look at, you know, the barbershop trade with Zach Dean, uh, this is someone who is a few years closer to the NHL than someone would be, it had they picked him uh, this upcoming summer, right? They're, they're two years closer. Uh, he's going to be in the system uh, next season, playing in Springfield, potentially getting you know, call-ups to the NHL. So uh, that kind of moves the, the timeline up a little bit. And it's it actually kind of, when, when the Blues acquired Dean, it made me think of what Armstrong said uh, after, I think it was the Tarasenko trade it was, well, you know, first round pitch right now, they're, they're, their are equity. Uh, but once you draft them, suddenly the prospects become more valuable to teams because of how attached they get to them, I guess, uh, how much they see their games, how much they put into develop them kind of the sunk costs of, uh, of drafting and developing, they become more, more uh, expensive. So, weird thought experiment for me was well what if they didn't get uh the prospect what would barbachev have fetched on the uh the pick market right uh would he have been a first plus uh, a late round guy or uh was dean so uh, appealing and the age appropriate player that it made it sense to to forego kind of the the pick futures versus the prospect futures
1: and how about uh how about tampa bay uh Training like an entire draft class for Tanner Janot. I mean, he's got 15 points. I know that's not his game, but what was going on there? And some of those, I don't know if they delved into 2026, but I I think at least one of those picks was 2025. It reminded me, and I'm blanking out on the running back when Mike Ditka took over. Williams? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, the man knows football too. I guess you, if you live in Texas, you, you got it's just like by osmosis. You learn. Oh, oh Ricky learn, Williams was well,
2: was part of my childhood with the Dolphins.
1: So he trades his right. entire draft class basically for <laughs> Ricky Williams. The second day of the draft, he shows up wearing a Hawaiian shirt, Ditka, and smoking a cigar because he had nothing to do. Well, that that's kind of what the Lightning did. I mean, how how do you explain
0: that? Well, uh, the easy answer. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they obviously. They're they're gonna they're in win now mode and they know that that day is gonna come when it's gonna be ugly right so but they're just um, they're gonna try to squeeze another a run or two and I love Tanner Janelle, man he's a, he's a he's a uh, oh yeah he's a crushing linebacker type uh, hitter uh, on a team that just I don't know what happened to the Preds this year they just sort of like the Blues sort of lost their way but he, I love that guy uh, that's a lot of picks. And I guess the other thing, uh, you know, Matt is they're giving uh, Barry Trotz is gonna take over as general manager from David Poyle, who I think took the job in uh oh, it was something like 19 or something, whenever the Predators – it was whatever the predators came in. how many hundreds of years ago that was that they came yeah. in? Uh Poyle uh has been running the team since then, I guess. Um so Barry Trotz has taken over. I guess they're gonna give him time to get to know his scouts because he's got a lot of they're racking up some future picks, but now he's got like a whole year to get, you know. Poyle will handle this draft. Trotz takes over, gets to know the scouts. It's it's an intriguing situation in Nashville. All those years with David Poyle, and now Barry Trott to moved back to Nashville with his family um, takes over.
2: Yeah, there's a you know, not to focus on Nashville specifically, but the Central Division in general. There's there's a lot of a lot of interesting things going on. Um, obviously, Arizona is doing what they're doing. Chicago is doing what they're doing. Nashville is to be entering a, a rebuild. Minnesota is about to to hit the the meat of the Suter and Parise buyouts. Uh, Dallas is suddenly maybe upticking, downticking recently. Uh, you know, Winnipeg. We'll see how long the the Rick bonus bump uh, holds there. It just it seems like a lot of it's a wide open division. It seems going forward outside of Colorado, right? I mean. That's the, the team to beat, and even with all their injuries this season, I think they still might be in first place by points, <laughs> points percentage right now, which is kind of crazy to think about. But the Central Division seems, uh, you know, pretty open. If if the Blues can kind of get this retool right,
1: yeah, and I think I think Colorado is. Uh, I think they're coming back to the pack a little bit. You know, I mean, there's, they're, they're certainly not the juggernaut they were they were last year, but I mean they they know how to win. And I know that sounds cliche, but boy, they they have a lot of confidence. It seems like in, in close games, uh, no matter what they face. And I think besides all the players, the blues have traded. They just, boy, they're, they're just a team with no confidence now. And uh, I don't know how you get that mojo back.
0: Well, that segues into my last question for you guys on the net front this week, last quarter of the season is coming up. Um, JT will be heading out. Wes, with our heroes, uh, boy, I mean, they've been, I guess, arguably less terrible lately, but, you know, man, this is a tough between now and the end of the season for Craig Ruby and the group. I don't know, man, this is going to be a tough slog. Take it, take it, man.
2: Yeah. It's uh, they're past the point of judging the season by wins and losses right now. Uh, that much was, determined when Armstrong made his moves and, and kind of determined where the team was going. So at this point, you, you have to, to look at development for guys like Alexandrov, Torbchenko, uh, neighbors when he gets healthy, Perunovic, if he can stay healthy down in the AHL and maybe even get a shot up here. Uh, those are key things. And the other key ones are just to to see Thomas and Kyrie kind of take a little bit more ownership and and of their overall game of the team. And those are the things that, that I'll be watching because at this point, the results, they, they don't matter. Um, obviously we saw last week uh, that the compete still matters uh, given the, the comments by Torbchenko and Berube. Um But at this point, the results are, are secondary. And it's just about watching uh, the young guys, uh, both that'll be, kind of complementary pieces in alexandrov torpchenko uh neighbors those guys and key key play pieces uh, in thomas and Kyrie.
1: well and I, Tucker as well too uh, yeah
2: uh, yeah, in, for the group.
0: yeah and uh god bless him he's, he puts himself in harm's way if if nothing else he's he's willing to stick himself in there so and you need that on a team where some guys are kind of tiptoeing around the edges so and no names No numbers, although, you know, smaller than 26, larger than 24. Um, But anyways, uh, that's it for this edition of the NetFront Presence for Jim Thomas. For Matt Franks. I'm Jeff Gordon. Reminder that you can catch all of our podcasts, all of our videos, all of our content on stltoday.com. Of course, our print edition is still a, a valuable part of our community. We're doing a lot of great journalism out there. Please do support us. Until next time, for JT for Matt, I'm Jeff. See ya!